Welcome to our brand new series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And as I've been reading this book in preparation for today, I've been realising how much this book is about being a disciple, and it's about discipleship or disciple-making. And I don't know for you whether um, you might think those are words that you hear often in church, but maybe are some of those kind of Christianese words that we don't explain very often. And so I'm hoping that we get a better understanding of that um, today. But I'm just going to give you a simple definition for a disciple is just a follower of Jesus, someone who's believed in him and dedicated themselves to becoming more like him. And then discipleship or disciple making is helping others become more like Jesus too. And so our prayer is that through this series, God would give us more than just an understanding of these concepts, but a deep conviction of what it means to be a true disciple and what it means to truly be a disciple-making church and that it would work out into reality, that we would become more robust and faithful disciples dedicated to disciple-making. So we're kicking off in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 today. And so I'm going to begin right now just by reading that chapter. And don't worry, it's just a short one, um, only 10 verses. So here we go, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. 1 Thessalonians is a letter from Paul, Silas and Timothy, written by Paul. And it's a letter to the church in Thessalonica, which was a church full of very new Christians. And the start had not been ideal for these new Christians. In Acts 17, you can read about the visit Paul, Timothy and Silas made to Thessalonica, where they preached the gospel and many Jews and Gentiles responded and believed in Jesus. But a mob of Jews um, gathered together and caused so much trouble for them, um, accusing them of defying Caesar that Paul and Silas had to leave prematurely, much earlier than they had intended. And this is why the title, Blood, Sweat and Tears. Blood speaks to the persecution that this church endured. Sweat speaks to the hard work and toil of being disciples. And tears speaks to the highest joys and the deepest anguish that Paul experiences as he journeys with these new Christians. And Timothy spent more time with the Thessalonians and he reported back to Paul how they were getting on. 
And this, is Paul, this letter is Paul's response to that report. And it was apparent from what Timothy had said in his report that these new Christians were struggling. They were discouraged and they were maybe even beginning to doubt that they were actually saved. And so this is a wonderful letter of encouragement as it was written to encourage the believers in Thessalonica. It can encourage us too to keep on with the work of discipleship. Now I'm going to tell you a story about a young woman who was newly married and she decided she was going to cook dinner for her husband, a really special dinner and it was the first time that she'd cooked a big meal and so she thought I'm going to use my mum's tried and tested recipe for roast brisket. Looks delicious, hey? So she, she did it. The key to the recipe was cutting the ends of the roast off the way her mother had always done. And the dinner was delicious. Um, and, but her husband asked her, why do you cut the ends off the meat? That's the best part. Why would you cut that off? And she answers, well, that's the way my mother always did it. So she decided to get, the, get to the bottom of it and call her mother to ask her, why is your amazing brisket recipe involved cutting the ends off? What? What is that all about? And her mother says, I actually don't know. Your grandmother always cut the ends off. And so I have always cut the ends off. So the next week they go to the grandmother's house and she's prepared her amazing brisket for them. And desperate to know the meaning behind this, she turns to her grandmother and she says, Grandmother, why do you cut the ends of the brisket off before you cook it? And she says, oh, darling, because I can't fit it in my roasting tin otherwise. (laughs) You see... The people who are important to us and who we spend time with influence us. Whether we realise realize it or not, we watch the things that we do, we listen to the things that they say, and it shapes us. But then we are also influencing others. Like in my story, the grandmother influenced the mother, but then the mother then went on to influence her daughter. It's like a chain reaction. And we see this idea of imitation and influence in this passage today, but in the context of discipleship. So we look in verses 6 to 7. It says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And so my message today is called Imitators and Influencers. And we're going to take this next 15 minutes to consider in the context of discipleship our role as imitators and influencers as disciples of Jesus. And I love how Paul acknowledges that they are imitating the Lord Jesus, but also that they are imitating Paul and the other apostles. And we have the immense privilege of having access to the Bible where we can read about the things that Jesus said and did, the things that Paul and the other apostles said and did, and we can learn from them. But we also have the richness of church community where we are surrounded by godly people. You are surrounded by people who are more mature in the faith than you. People who, as you spend time with, you'll get to witness firsthand what it looks like to follow Jesus. And this is why we place so much value here on life groups, these small group communities where you can see how people really live and hear the things they say and see the way that they put that into practice. These small group communities are such a key place for us to know people well enough to imitate their godly lives. 
Now, I mentioned earlier that these new Thessalonian Christians were concerned about whether they were actually saved. And so in this very first chapter, we find Paul's encouragement to them. He could see they were true disciples because they hadn't just said yes to the gospel and left it there at that moment. Their faith in Jesus was being proved every day by the fruit of God's power in their lives. And as disciples of Jesus, we will be fruitful. As we commit ourselves to becoming more like him and we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out, that produces fruit. I was reading in Acts just this week, Paul was defending himself to King Agrippa. He'd been arrested and was being accused of all sorts and he summarised the gospel message that he had been preaching as this. In Acts 26, 20, he says, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Following Jesus is not just about praying a prayer at a moment in time, but that prayer is the beginning of a transformed and fruitful life devoted to Jesus. And so the things that Paul was celebrating them were this visible fruit of their faith. If we look in verse three, it says, we remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That work produced by faith is a common pairing for Paul. He talks about it often, um, faith and deeds. Your faith must always work out. And that word work in the Greek, it, it literally means like your business, your employment, the things that you do with your hands, the things that occupy your time. And so what it's saying is the work of their hands, the things that occupied their time were produced by their faith in Christ. As I've thought about this, I've thought we can often live our lives separated into two parts, can't we? Spiritual and then everything else. And so my activities as a disciple are spiritual, maybe going to church or going to life group, reading my Bible, praying, maybe occasionally sharing my faith with someone. And then I have the rest of my life over here, the unspiritual part. But for these new disciples, their faith informed everything that they did. Being a disciple of Jesus affected their whole life. Their work was produced by faith. The second one in here is um, their labour prompted by love. The word labour here means intense labour united with trouble and toil. It's an interesting choice of words, right? But it's prompted by love. That word is agape, that unselfish, sacrificial living for the sake of others. And Jesus tells us that the object of that love is, needs to be him and it needs to be those around us. He talks about loving God and loving our neighbours. And so this is a challenge. Like how often does our love for God and our love for others prompt us to labour with trouble and toil? How often do I do something for someone else or for the Lord that's hard, that costs me time, energy or resources purely for their sake, purely for love, not begrudgingly, but to bless them? I think we have a tendency or I have a tendency to avoid what's hard, right? We're happy to help someone if it's convenient or if it's a byproduct of something we're already doing or if it's going to benefit me in some way. 
But the fruit of a disciple is this sacrificial labor for the benefit of another. And the third thing he encourages them with is endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Endurance or steadfastness or perseverance inspired by hope. And hope is this expectation of good in Jesus. And it says in this passage, the Thessalonians had gone through severe suffering. And I already mentioned a, a part of that that we, we can read in Acts chapter 17. And yet suffering didn't cause them to question the message they had come to believe about Jesus. They realised that the goal for their lives was not comfort and it wasn't the path of least resistance, but to follow Jesus, whatever it took. And because they had an expectation of good things in him, in the midst of the suffering. And again, when I think honestly about my life, my instinct is often to run from suffering. If something is hard or uncomfortable, don't we start looking for ways to make it stop? We assume it's a bad thing, but these words challenge us to persevere and to endure, not because it's easy, but because our faith in Jesus gives us hope. We can have an expectation of good in our Lord Jesus Christ. All of this, this was the way that Jesus lived. And it's what they observed in Paul and Silas and Timothy. And now it's what Paul was able to see in them. They were imitators. But I wonder today what Paul would mention about your life. If he was to write a letter to you, what would be the things he would celebrate? What would be the fruit that he sees that he'd say, well done? Are you a person that others would do well to imitate? This is being a disciple, right? To be growing in fruitfulness as the Spirit transforms us to be more like Christ every day and as we imitate Christ and the believers around us. But there's a danger here that I just consider this message as an individual. I'll take those things on board and I'll figure out how I can live more like that. But there's not much of the New Testament that's written in that individualistic way. The Bible uses words to describe the church like body and family and community. This concept of many people as one. And we're not meant to be doing this on our own, but as a community, as a family. We each come as individuals to faith in Jesus, but at that moment we're adopted into his family. And so as I think about growing as a disciple, it's not only me that I need to think about, it's helping others become more like Jesus too, as I become more like him. And that's discipleship. The Thessalonians were imitators, but they had also become influencers. It says in verse 7, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Model is um, literally a pattern or model for imitation, not a catwalk model. But as they learned about Jesus and as they watched and spent time with Paul and other believers, it rubbed off on them. But as they purposefully lived it out, as they modelled it to others, it became like a chain reaction, like in our story earlier with the grandmother passing to the mother and the mother passing to the daughter. This is what they were living out. The Thessalonians were influencers. And I'm fully aware that others influence me 
and I could name the people that I pay special attention to and I make sure I allow to influence my life. But it's a strange thought to think that others are influenced by me. I don't know if you find the same thing, but they are. People are influenced by my life and people are influenced by your life. As people look at your life, at the things that you do and the things that you say, they are influenced by you. And what becomes exciting is when your influence leads to someone becoming a little bit more like Jesus. That's the excitement of discipleship. And so as the Thessalonians lived fruitful lives as disciples, people saw, and not just the people immediately around them, people far and wide, because living this way is noticeable. It says, the Lord's message rang out to you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has become known everywhere. It goes on to say, um, they report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. There's two things we see here that they modelled. What they said, it says the Lord's message rang out from them. So what they said um, was modelled to the people around them. And I think that speaks to us that we have to keep sharing this message of Jesus with people. We have to tell people about what God says. We have to tell people about what he's done in our lives. We need to tell people the difference that he makes. But the second way they influenced was what they did. It says that people had noticed the way they treated people. They reported what kind of reception they gave the apostles. People noticed their transformed lives. It says they're turning from idols to serve the living and true God. And so how powerful if we lived our whole lives in this way as imitators of Jesus, as imitators of fruitful believers around us, and as influencers, knowing that the things that I say and do are a powerful influence all of the time. I talked earlier about the compartmentalizing we often do in our lives as Christians. Maybe you don't, maybe it's only me. You know, spiritual here and everything else over here. But I think we do it with discipleship and evangelism too. We reduce discipleship down to moments here and there and evangelism down to, in all likelihood, even fewer moments than that. But I don't believe it's meant to be that way. Remember the definition I gave for discipleship at the start of this message, helping others become more like Jesus too. So as you live in the way Paul describes in this chapter, you have not only the potential to influence the believers around you, but actually everyone who gets a chance to be a part of your life. We get to do it all the time, not just in organised settings or groups or activities. As we live our whole lives as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are always engaging in discipleship because the way we live and the things that we say influences others. Whether someone believes in Jesus yet or not, your life has the potential to influence them. I was reminded as I was looking at this, a study that I had read that was done in um, New Zealand in 2018 by Wilberforce Foundation. I just want to read a couple of quotes that I found so challenging connected to this. The first one is this, Kiwis are most likely to be attracted to exploring religion and spirituality further by seeing firsthand people who live out a genuine faith. 
three in five, 59%, suggest this would either somewhat or strongly attract them to investigating religion and spirituality further. Another one says, when it comes to people's perceptions of Christians and Christianity, church abuse has the greatest negative influence. But Christians not practicing what they preach is second to church abuse. With almost seven in 10 Kiwis indicating this has a massive or significant negative influence on their opinion. And finally, non-Christians feel that Christians could better represent Jesus by letting their actions speak louder than their words and by living out the values that Jesus represents. So my encouragement to you, to me, to all of us today is the way that you live matters. As we seek together to be robust, disciple-making disciples, imitating Jesus and imitating the fruitful believers around us and living knowing that your life has the potential to be a powerful influence on those who have the blessing to be a part of your life. You know, today, if you're not yet a Christian, maybe this is a moment for you to make a decision to seriously explore who Jesus is and what that might mean for you. You know, we've seen today, he powerfully changed the lives of the Thessalonians and I can testify he's powerfully changed my life. So I want to encourage you today, look into it. Who is he? And do you believe what he says about himself? If you are a Christian, I wonder what the step for you is today. Maybe it's to get connected into church community, into a life group. You can sign up for a life group on the church app or you can talk to someone at the gathering that you're at today. It's so easy. Maybe you want to find out about becoming a life group leader. Maybe you want to help facilitate these small group communities across our church. You can talk to your lead pastor if you'd be keen to do that. Maybe you realise that your life is not matching what you believe. The beautiful thing is that if you're realising that today and you bring it to God, you'll find grace not judgment. You'll find him waiting for you, ready to begin to transform you if you'll only let him in. Or maybe it's something else. So I wonder what is God saying to you today? I want us just to take a minute or two now in quiet for you to reflect on what God is saying to you. I've put two questions up here. Um, what stood out to me today? And what do I think God may want me to do about it? So whatever it is for you, let's just take the next minute or so in quiet, just considering those questions, and then I'll pray for us before we move on. Move on.
Father, thank you. Thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we get this um, opportunity to look in on your people um, so many years ago. Thank you for the wisdom of Paul. And thank you for speaking today. And Lord Jesus, we love you so much. When I think of all the people that I could ever possibly want to imitate, you're the one. You're perfect. You're holy. You're wonderful. And we get to know you. Lord, I pray for us today. Lord, whatever the challenge has been for each one of us, I pray you would produce fruit in our lives by your spirit. I pray that we would be encouraged today to be imitators and influencers, to be robust and faithful disciples and disciple makers. And God, I pray for us through this series that you would transform us to be more like you. We love you, Lord. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.